time to talk music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hareton Audio Podcast. So, if you've been listening to mainstream radio uh, in the last few years, you'll notice an increasingly popular trend. Um, and some of them have really like uh, surprised me because you almost think, no, they don't have the audacity to do this. Uh, recently, Kygo and Ava Max have sort of done a derived version of whatever by Shakira. And it's it's not a bad thing. It's just a, an interesting thing to think about because, you know, we've seen what David Getter's done with dance classics like um, What Is Love and... Um, so many more um there's a good portion of the like dance section of uk radio that's all sort of in this sort of like niche um and lots and lots of artists are doing this now cargo has done remixes but in my opinion the the previous versions they felt more like remixes of tina turner yeah because a lot of them have been using the actual sound recording now, I've got the definition up of interpolation because people may not know what this word um, interpolation means in regards to music and why this is different to sampling. So interpolation is taking part of an existing musical work as opposed to a sound recording and incorporating it into a new work. So this is... Instead of, say, how famously Vanilla Ice sampled Under Pressure, allegedly, this is a, um example of saying, well, we won't sample, say, Under Pressure. Let's just replay the bass line in on this Fender P-Bass. But that would then be an interpolation because although you aren't sampling the original recording, you are still taking the music or as you could think of it, the musical data and reusing it. So this is where this, um, this remix slash remake culture comes in because technically it's not a cover because they're changing a lot of stuff on a lot of the cases. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like with with um whatever, you can hear that the chorus is like borrowing melodically and in some cases lyrically, but it's not a one to one of the chorus from Shakira's song. They've changed bits, they've they've sort of reinterpreted where the melody is, and they've also reinterpreted like where the song sort of hook lies. I mean, it's still on, you know, the the catchphrase, you know, title part of the track but it, it is interesting because they're, they're sort of well from what i can tell it, it the verses feel very much unique and then as the pre-chorus build comes in they sort of go right here is the thing you know so from a radio audience you're listening going i don't know this song then the build-up comes in and you go oh no i know this song where do i know it from and it's like tapping into what people have heard before as opposed to trying to get them to know a new song so i think where this is beneficial is where they say whoa what if we did a hook like shakira on on say this song and then they go well why do you hook like shakira when we can use shakira's hook but we can, you know, by using interpolation, they can use that in a way that's fair, in a way that's licensed slash credited. Yeah. And in a way that then serves the audience, say in a DJ set, you may mix the two together or transition from one to the other. And there's an immediate gratification for the listener where instead of it being 
eerily familiar, say a song like um, Atomic City by um, U2, U2 yeah. where it, people listen to it and on first glance and first listen, people go, ooh, don't you think that sounds a bit like Blondie? And they're credited in the songwriting, but this is a more satisfying thing, I think, for most people in and the public. And also, this has probably come around for two reasons. One, they can they can use that, that not clout, but yes, basically that that is a thing. But also, um, if they're going to have to give the credit like with so many cases with all the music lawyers, if they do a song and like with, with um, Atomic City, they go, well, this sounds like Call Me, so we need to credit them. Well, if you're going to credit them, you might as well just take it. There's there's definitely an argument for that, I would say. I think if, if you know the credits are going and it's more of a direct acknowledgement, but um, it shows, I suppose, like, you know, how a lot of people can uh, memorise so many of these songs, you know, there's, there's millions of songs come out like a year and stuff like that. And these hooks and these classics that are like 20 years old. I mean, is Shakira's version 20 years old? Is it 2004? We can I, just check I will that. look. It's definitely somewhere near, but you know, they're just burn into your brain at that point. But I think another benefit of this is say you're, um, you're, you're younger, you know, and you've, you've, you know, you wasn't listening to commercial radio, just completely missed this original track. This is a great introduction into maybe why this track's important. Yeah, 23 maybe, years old. Sorry to interrupt you, Peter. No, that's all right. Yeah, it seemed, seemed early 2000s definitely seemed right from memory. But it's a good way to reintroduce like a generation, say like Gen Z, probably or definitely missed out on this because, um, you know, Anybody who is Gen Z who heard this will have been extremely young. So it's one of those where I think it, you know, it benefits a lot of people. It's the same as, you know, I hate to use this reference, but this is the best reference I can think of when Glee did Don't Stop Believing and it brought it to a massive audience, like who would never heard that song before. You know, it's, it's that, but I think this is a lot more tasteful and it's a lot more modern than, than just doing a... a cover in a traditional sense yeah and i think the thing is with the the glee one is it not only showed how much people liked the glee one but it also showed how much people liked the original one because everybody went no i've got to i've got to go listen to journey's one because i forgot about that song let's like say it's almost a way to um reignite people's like love for a certain classic that that they um that they haven't listened to in a while and i think a lot of people they do listen to what's on the radio and um if you're talking about non-music fans specifically people who just uh listen passively don't collect music don't really engage like a lot of people will know songs but they won't know who sings them they won't know when it came out yeah it's tapping into um i suppose a, a less not not less educated but less informed i suppose um yeah it's it's going for the passive consumer who's not as interested in music to go, yeah, do you know what? Like, like say, it, it lives for radio, this sort of idea, because this yeah. doesn't work in well, a streaming-only context. Again, say you have a lot of radio DJs who really like this song, but they're like, well, it doesn't really suit our playlist in, say, 2024. This is a great way to utilise the hook and get a feel for that original Shakira track, but say, well, this does suit the playlist in 2024. Even though I would 
like to hear some... Who is making Tropical House who isn't Kaiga? I feel like Kaiga sort of won the Tropical House battle when Tropical House was a thing, and he has, like, got the Tropical House belt until somebody... Like, Kaiga... <laughs> seems to i mean maybe i don't listen to enough cargo i listen to a couple of the albums but i need to check his newest stuff but he is just like no this is me i am staying in tropical house and i am not moving past it which mad respect because this is a great music genre and a lot of the edm genres happen so fast they just seem to disappear before they even started so i think I mean, it's too early really to have a traditional revival of EDM, but I definitely think a lot of it just happened too fast and them them ideas weren't explored enough. 100%. And the thing is, with a lot of those ideas, is, um, like you say, it happened very fast. We went through like uh, the, the saxophone drop, the anti-drop, yeah the Prada snare drop, dubstep drop, the dubstep drop. We went through the tropical house all the way through to techno. And it just seemed to like, like from, from a period of like 2012 to 2016, it just seemed to snowball through as many different types of drops as possible. It was like a whirlwind, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, if you, if you liked one of those sort of sounds, oh, and don't forget like the, the full Avicii slash like uh fireball pitbull sort of like, uh, folk drop in a lot of the oh, tracks yes, yes. as well. Like, like a yeah, traditional instrumentation drop. Yeah. Um, and the, then that's not even really talked about the classic, like the definitive EDM drops that you hear, like from Swedish House Mafia and also Avicii, like the ones that are the genre defining, like traditional drops. Yeah, I suppose because they was given a brand new musical tool to work with in the arrangement, as we all refer to as the drop, that hadn't been a thing. And then now there's a full way to punctuate and structure songs that wasn't a thing. And I think they could just have a lot of fun with it. But I think because there were so many people making so much music in that format, and it was so popular as well in the two, in the 2010s, um, they really did go through almost every idea imaginable, uh, particularly yeah. in like a, a radio pop context. Um, so just looping back to Shakira, we're just giving ourselves a bit of a refresher on the original version, which is not necessarily something we need, but just to compare. And um, yeah, I know it says video and I'm trying to work out what, what that means on Spotify. I've not noticed video as a button. Yeah, I, I was distracted earlier yeah. on because I was trying to figure out what it says video. How do I play the video within Spotify? But it might be phone only. Yeah, that's true. It may just play the video instead of the canvas. But um, this is, it's dance C. But by today's, and even really by 2001 standard, it's not dance music. It's I think, pop music. So there's there's also an application for taking this song from the radio into a club or a dance floor. Yeah, and, and also, like, I've seen even, like, popular DJs like Maddie and Porter Robinson refer to, like, the mixing on Hips Don't Lie specifically. But I think you could say that about a lot of Shakira's most popular albums. Um, the mix is all about her vocal and a lot of the music is sort of like pushed to the back and like on hips don't lie it it's like almost a meme how how insanely loud Shakira's vocal is in context to the rest of the song whatever whatever is definitely more balanced than hips don't lie yeah I'll, I'll definitely say that yeah. but um 100 Peter, like you said it, it, when you listen to this the, the original song um the new version 
well, not new version, but the interpolated version. It just hits harder in a radio context. And, and on a dance floor. And on that's, a dance that's floor. That's my main thing. I, I think radio-wise, it's hard to say. If you was, you know, in a couple of years' time when it comes to something like a Greatest Hits radio, would the new version stand up against the original? That's left to be seen, you know. I think that with a lot like that David Getter's done recently. I mean, it's hard to, to list as so many interpolated songs come out recently. It's like, it's it's insane. Yeah, they, they are sort of like, um, they're sort of like, spread around and a lot of them are subtle and you only know they're interpolated if you know the originals it's yeah. a bit like um how a lot of covers you won't realize are covers until you dig deep and like even people you know it's like when the levy breaks by led zeppelin's a great example a lot of people i assume will just think that is led zeppelin's song because why would you go back to the 1930s to listen to the original yeah you know considering it was a hit for led zeppelin as well and it's like that with so many songs you'll hear a song and you'll go wow that's a cover and then you go the song you think is the original is a cover of a 1940s song and a lot of the songs do go back it's like tainted love has been done so many times it's hard to believe and that there is a bunch of songs dancing in the moonlight by top load is one of the most mind-melding covers that i've ever heard because you just like how is that a cover? It just, you, you just don't, because you don't know, I suppose. You just, when, especially if you're young, and this is like for, for the new generation, like these are great examples of this. You might be going around singing these new interpolated versions for 10, 20 years before you realise that there was an original, if, if you know what I mean. And I suppose this works as a sort of, a positive for not only um, Kygo and Ava Max being able to have Anybody who knows the original go, I know this song, but also all of Cargo and Ava Max's, you know, fans and people who hear it around on streaming or on the radio, or whatever. Um, if you then hear the original, um, whenever, whatever, uh, you're going to know the words and you're going to know the melody. And that's, that's the strength of this, this sort of ploy. It's a bit like what they're doing with the, the dance classics with David Getter, it's a way to know the original if you're not familiar. So it does work both ways. It benefits the original artists as much as it benefits the ones that are now interpolating it because it draws people to the song regardless. And once you know a song, particularly if you've committed to liking an, a, a song or a melody, it's very hard, even if you hear it in a different context, to unlike it if you know what i mean you you know you kind of liking it because you've decided to like it yeah and i mean it's just good to know tracks like say especially if you go to like a, a nightclub or anything like that and they're playing a bunch of songs you know you want to know as many as possible because that's you know that's part of it part of it is joining in i mean that's what music really is for especially in a dance context it's for um you know joining in and everybody being like a collective in that sense and and you know having fun and i think that a great way to like segue back into this is that these songs are fun you know maybe they're not the most intelligent compositions and they're not the most intelligent and you know creative ideas but they're fun and everybody you know you hear it and you're like, I mean, we saw the song title, didn't we, Mark? We saw the song I, title. I literally saw the song title in a snippet of footage on Instagram that was Ava Max in the desert. And I just went, no, the Canada. Surely not. And, you know, I listened to the preview 
And I thought, no, yeah, they've done that. They've done it. I just, you know, you have a feeling. I mean, Kaigo has a very specific style. So all you have to do is think Kaigo and then sing the melody on top of it. And you've sort of halfway there. And then when you listen to it, it's exactly what you expect it to be in the chorus, which is, like you say, it's not even a bad thing because a lot of the time, a lot of listeners will want something to happen. And if it doesn't happen, it is as good as it is bad because you could say wow i didn't see that coming but a lot of the time particularly like people who are air drumming or if you've got somebody waiting for the for the drop it's very satisfying when it comes in when you think it's going to come in and there's a reason why people get so annoyed in festivals when a dj um group or duo or single dj will drop block them because they're anticipating something and, and it's take it very away. very irritating if you're waiting for it for it to suddenly not be there so like you say there's something to be said about predictability in music it's a tease and releases like the arrangement sort yeah. of view of it of like giving people like a taster and then it leading exactly where the collective mind sort of goes you know justin hawkins does a really good uh, youtube series and podcast where he breaks down this sort of stuff but it's like it sounds really simple because it is simple it's like when the song starts people will already start jumping ahead in their brain and predicting you know chords suggest certain things and melody suggests certain things as does the genre so you know, we have a lot of music at the moment that is unpredictable and unpredictability is nice, but it's not always satisfying. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of an unpredictable song that comes to mind, but it's hard to think of something because a lot of the unpredictable songs I, I maybe don't go out of my way to listen to. So well, to I would just remember. call it like a lot of it is in the rock and metal and rap sort of scenes where they're trying to do stuff that's challenging and that's... Um, boundary breaking yeah whereas you know in the pop world it's less common for people to do that people still do it but it's more common to give people what they want because you know they're not trying i suppose they're not trying to impress people in a musical way they're trying to impress people in a catchy way it's like a really heavy rock band teasing a riff going into a breakdown but the breakdown just is another chorus that's what it's like and the, yeah. the full crowd's waiting for the breakdown because that's a really big i suppose the breakdown in in modern metal like when we're talking about the well metal core and stuff but but you like the the more sort of produced metal where it really is about the mix and everything hitting hard um you know it is like bring me the horizon teasing a bit where you're going, oh, they're going to do the breakdown and then the breakdown doesn't happen in the entire song. As a fan, if you're waiting for that, it's very unsatisfying because, you know, like, like with Kaigo, not, can you imagine if he just didn't drop on this song, yeah. on what, on whatever, if it just, they did the build up and it went straight into another verse. Yeah, it would, uh, it, it's fine if it only does that once, but if that drop or that, that lift never actually comes in the full song, then, People will just seek out remixers who are going to fill in the dots. And to be honest, there is there is some music you hear like that where, I mean, I suppose it, it's hard because I don't want to say some of the early Daft Punk songs are like that, but I suppose some of the early Daft Punk songs, they, they, just, they just go. And well, once they start, they just go. But the full thing is technically the drop. If I you suppose. think about music sounds better with you, it just, like you say, it just, it starts and it just keeps going. So yeah. it's not the same, it's not the same arrangement tool. I mean, I don't think from what 
Daft Punk have sort of stated publicly and the reason why they're not working together anymore, I don't think that the drop culture is something that they would like at all. And I don't think it's really something that they would conform to because they, I mean, ultimately they didn't conform to it. And there'll be a reason for that. They did more like verse chorus beat didn't they? That That's what they saw. When you think yeah. about One More Time, it's crazy to think that One More Time doesn't really have a traditional, like what we know now as like a dance drop. It just, it starts with the, the intro and then it does a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. One More Time it, hasn't been interpolated, has it? Um, I don't think anybody dares touch uh, cause somebody, One no, More cause Time. I'm just it thinking, may, it may it's have like, been, but... Is it 20 years old? Or is it uh, almost 20 years 2003 old? it came out, Is it I'm 2003 sure, or but... 5? It might be 2005 if we go to Daft Punk. I but, look. like, when somebody tackles something like One More Time, I mean, there's one thing to remix and edit Daft Punk, which I think a lot of people have, because Daft Punk is, you know, a great act to remix and edit. But um, 2001... Is it really 2001? Yeah, God, that, that seems like right. so ahead of its time. Somebody, I mean, I would say one more time is prime real estate and somebody's going to do it, but it's not going to be pretty, maybe, if somebody does. I, I think like, it's going to be one of those where it pushes people. I suppose Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger is a song that has been interpolated yes. several times. Yeah. Um, like even with Kanye West, Stronger. Yeah. Um, like we say, it, the, the, the way interpolation works and stuff, this isn't like a new thing, but it is very much a new trend that is very, very popular at the moment. I think there's there's fits and starts of it, of it going in, it being like popular for a couple of years and then not popular for other years. I think that the interpolation, obviously, if if a song like, like I think of Pitbull and Christina Aguilera on um, the- Feel This Moment. The, yeah, This Moment with A Heart Take On Me. That's, the, they're interpolating in, that in that song and that's a way of saying everybody likes take on me how can we play it in like an edm club yeah, so yeah, yeah. interpolation either comes in as a solution to a problem being how can we integrate this melody into a genre that it is not part of like you know like in a dj set or in a club environment yeah or it's to fill a gap so i think the reason why we've had so much interpolation is that the music industry hasn't really nailed down what's happening next. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we say, we're waiting for some kind of groundbreaking shift in genre or theme, and it still is sort of bubbling along like it has been. And, you know, we're, we're sort of waiting. And I suppose this is a way for the, the music industry as well to make easy cash grabs, because if they own both the interpolated version that's coming out now yeah. and the original it's a way to make double money in that sense i mean i wouldn't be surprised as well if you know people who are selling the back catalogs yeah you yeah. think somebody would be out there with the killer's back catalog saying mr brightside who wants it do you know what I mean? Because that's yeah. that's how they make money. Like, like um, if we think about somebody like Bruce Springsteen or Fleetwood Mac, who have sold their their as the killers, they've sold their first five. Really? Yeah, they sold the, the first. Did? Yeah, the first. They sold the first, the first half of their catalog. Yeah, was that recently? No, it was when Bruce Springsteen did it because they'll they'll have been friends with Bruce Springsteen. I didn't realize they'll have said, uh, "Yo, we we're making more stuff." So. Maybe that's why they've got so many greatest hits coming out. That's so weird because if you think about the killers playing Mr. Brightside and they're not being paid for it now. I can double I mean, check getting, it, but they'll I'm they'll sure me- right. Mechanicals. Either way, like, so say say you have like Fleetwood Mac or Bruce Springsteen. If you own 
if you're the company that has bought that catalog, well, if you want to reignite uh, a bit of like a memory for some of those songs, or even if you're playing it really smart, a slightly underdog single that people know, but maybe not, it didn't blow up, a bit like running in the, uh, up that hill by Kate Bush, where the song was out and it was a single, but it wasn't as popular until Strange Things brought it about. If you're a company that owns these these um, recordings, it's in your best interest to put them in the public eye as much as possible. And I suppose, like you say, at what point does a company who's, say, collecting some of these recordings start to message, like, you know, current music producers like, say, Kygo or whatever, hypothetically, and say... Um, would you be interested in using uh, any of these songs in your upcoming, you know, like sort of release slate? And that is a way to one get songs interpolated, uh, and also like for some of those artists, it's a way to use some of the songs that they grew up liking, which I think is a really cool thing. If you're Ava Max or Kygo and you grew up listening to the original song, so Shakira's publishing rights have been bought by somebody. Ooh. It just happens in this um, article about the killers. So the killers have done it, as have Imagine Dragons. Really? Imagine Dragons? They've sold, and apparently it was nine figure sum, according to RollingStone.com. So there's a lot of people doing it. And I think, a bit like when David Getter, he sold a lot of his publishing rights, didn't he? Yeah. Because here's the thing, right? If you're in the middle of your career, like a lot of these bands are, you know, um, you can tee up your next like set of number one hits and you've got 400 million or something crazy. I think it's hard to understand it in a sense, but the easiest way to understand it is if a company is willing to give you the amount of money you think you're going to make in the lifetime of your records being out in royalties up front... Well, I suppose a lot of people when said, well, your music may not be popular in five years' time, or you can take 90 million now, a lot of people are going to be very swayed, um, even very successful people, with the, the guarantee of the 90 million or however much money up front, because it's a way to say, well, now we can afford to do what we want to do. If we're smart with the money, we can make... Not well, yeah, like you say, we could make more records that we can then make royalties. And it off. might be an incentive to say, Look, I've, I can't rely on Mr. Brightside anymore, we don't own that, so we got to get in the studio, and make something banging. That it, that might be the other thing that is an interesting For somebody thing. like David Getter, like that might be the way to shake up his process where he's like, Well, it doesn't matter, I've sold, I've sold all <laughs> if we my, don't get my a hit stuff now, lads, we're done. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's it's one of those where it, it's an interesting philosophy. But it definitely, you know, it incentivizes them to make more music because they've, they've sold their, it's either their publishing. They can make more music or they can live and retire comfortably, providing they don't squander the money. Now, the, the hard bit in a band context, like, say, Imagine Dragons, um, in a hypothetical situation, you sell all of your album, uh, uh, you know, like your, your catalogue. Then you all squander your money in casinos. Not saying that Imagine Dragons are a band that would do this, but just hypothetically. That's a rough thing to do because you're not going to get that royalty check from Universal, somebody else's. Yes, yes. So you need to be very smart. And I suppose a lot of this will be accountants and business managers saying, do this, do that. This will be a smart financial decision. They're not 
going to let them blow the money even if they got it. But hypothetically, if you had a very, say you had a, a modern day equivalent of Motley Crue, right? Yes. Who <laughs> will blow the money? It's a guarantee. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an interesting thought to see if a band is ever going to sell a, a massive catalogue and then squander the money and end up like in a situation where they can't afford to live. Also, though, interesting with bands, say like, because there was there was a couple like Imagine Dragons on there, like newer bands in terms of the grand scheme of music, not like absolute established legends like people like Bob Dylan and uh, Bruce Springsteen, where their music is guaranteed to make money, for example. Now, Imagine Dragons, their back catalogue, they could all of a sudden be very unpopular, you know, and I don't think that would be the case because I think they're very well established. But what, what I'm saying is that there is a chance for some of these bands that are only 10 years into their career that they might fall out of popularity or favour. And, well, if you get your nine-figure sum now, then that doesn't matter anymore. You know, there's a lot of a lot of classic artists you think of and you think, well, what happened to them? I mean, even like, they say, Queen in America just went absolutely into obscurity. Yeah, only because of one one video that the American public didn't like. So allegedly, now they're back in the spotlight in America. But there was, I think they said, like the late eighties and nineties, Queen were just like it was hard to buy their records. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're thinking about like a grunge to hair metal thing, I exactly, do think that, yeah, that is very unlikely to ever happen again. Purely because people listen to their own music and. A taste maker can make a full genre and cool, but it's not something that's an impossibility to happen. That's, to say dance music, now you could have a sort of a, a electronic music whiplash where people go, "I don't want anybody who's auto-tuned, anybody who's corrected." But then again, you have to rely on the public to one make that decision as a whole, and that decision's never going to fly in clubs. And that decision <laughs> is very difficult because, like you say, you would have to have a knee jerk, like a whiplash sort of thing to like grunges to hair metal and that was manufactured from like a label yeah. standpoint but take that grunge to hair metal thing or hair metal to grunge sorry thing and imagine now poison selling their back catalog for 50 million in 1992 yeah and then bam they're not popular anymore bam bam that that back catalog is effectively worth nothing to that company a little all bit. of a sudden the only modern example really is Taylor Swift's back catalog as she is devaluing it every year. Yes, that is a great uh, but but again Taylor Swift's so popular but as that, she, that that devalued catalog is worth a lot more than somebody who is who was basically like like as they described they're describing a lot of the documentaries about what happened when grunge came out to these hair metal acts they went from being on stadium shows to barely being able to fill clubs now at the end of the day, Taylor Swift, even if people, even if hardcore fans don't listen to um, her original, like, um, Big Machine catalogue, most casual listeners will. And then the sync deals and stuff will exactly. still pay so through. It, it's one of those where I think Taylor Swift is a weird example because she is devaluing her catalogue, but she's so astronomically successful that that devalued catalogue's probably still worth near what it was in a capacity if not worth more because, because she's so successful i mean it's hard it's hard to describe to somebody today how taylor swift was massive but now it's like it's like she's unbelievably mad. do you know what i mean it's, yeah, yeah it's like i feel like ed sheeran stayed a superstar but taylor swift's gone from a superstar to, to a, a indescribable thing 
So, to round off today's podcast, what song do you think is going to be interpolated in a popular manner next? I mean, I think one more time it's coming. And it's going to be like um, Rhythm as a Dancer, where everybody's upset. <laughs> when Bastille did Rhythm of a Dancer, and all of the classic dance people and people like Pendulum were like, nah, you don't, you don't get to do that. I think it's going to be Daft Punk, and I think everybody's going to be upset. I'm just trying to think of, like, 2000s sort of pop songs and stuff. But one thing I would think would be very funny, not necessarily something I will think is going to happen, but I think it'd be very funny if somebody like Kyger or like Tiesto or somebody like that took Call Me Maybe by Kylie Rae Jepsen and just did their version of that with the hook. Because that only has two lines in that you need to interplay. The rest you can get rid of. See, I think we're a best part of a decade from that. No, personally. I know, I know. But that's the song that, that's like a, a, a what Landmark people song. would say is like a super popular, to some people's opinion, a one hit wonder that you could very easily inter, uh, interplay in that style. I couldn't think of a song that was in the Shakira era because um, I don't have as much to go unless somebody went for like the Pussycat Dolls or something like that. I mean, great, great shout. It could be anything. Well, the thing is, it doesn't make sense. The interpolated songs don't make sense. You know, it's like Sugar Babes using Cars by Gary Newman in the back of one of their yeah. songs, you know. They're so, when the thing is, when you actually listen for this interpolation stuff, I mean, you have to be borderline a musicologist to spot it. Because I mean, as we say, One More Time is a sample of something else anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, is, yeah. you know, it it gets all tangled. Right. And- so, let us know in the Q&A what song you think is going to be interpolated next. And uh, see you next week, everybody. See you Thanks next week. And thank you for listening. Yeah.